my name is Pastor Amrita. We're so thankful that you're here this morning, like I said. And I want to tell you about something that's coming up in our church that's really fun uh, and, and really uh, important and sometimes doesn't feel very fun, but it is because we do it all together. And that is, is that we go through a season where we uh, pray and fast together as a church. And on August 4, we are starting a 21 days of prayer and fasting together as a church. And so one of the most simple ways to describe what prayer and fasting is, is that we're, we're connecting with God while disconnecting from the world. Okay, so for you, it might be, I need to disconnect from social media for 21 days. I need to disconnect from Netflix, from Stranger Things. Get it in now before August 4th. Uh, and whatever you got to watch, get it in now. Or whatever you're eating, you know. Maybe you need to disconnect from sugar or something like that. But this just gives us a time before the Lord, right? Where we're just able to pray and seek God. Uh, we're seeking him maybe on behalf of something that you're going through. Or, or you just need to be praying for your kids kids or need to spend a little bit more time in an area praying. We'll be praying together as a church for our church. You'll see on social media that we'll have some prayer points. We'll teach you a little bit more about prayer during that time. So I just want to invite you, would you join us in our 21 days of prayer and fasting starting August 4th. I think it's going to be such a rich time. If you've never fasted before, everyone who has ever told me, Amrita, I never fasted before in my life, but, but I just, I disconnected a little bit from the world and I connected with God and it just blew me away. What happened in my heart and the peace that came and the contentment and just being able to lift things up to Jesus. So I encourage you to join us uh, for, fair, to, for prayer and fasting in August. Okay. Awesome. Also, I just want to celebrate those of you that came out to our uh, camping trip. I just want to hear like a woohoo if you came camping with us this weekend. It was so fun. And, you know, we loved it so much as a church pastor, Pradeepan and I. We just decided we got to make this an annual thing. Okay. So next year, we're going to have to camp again. It was a great camping spot. And uh, I, uh, it was just, it was so fun to build community and be together camping. Um, and so today we're talking again some more about uh, the book of John. We continue on in our series during the summer. We've been reading. We've been, been inviting you to read with us uh, in the book of John. And today uh, I am reading from a scripture, preaching from a scripture that really uh, I've looked at a lot more closely. has really touched my heart. And I, I pray and I hope that it really touches your heart today. And it's in uh, John 13. So let's go ahead and dive right into the scripture. John 13, 13 says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was, to, was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have not had a bath need only to wash their feet. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that, he, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Wow. So here we have Jesus. The day before he is about to die on the cross, kneeling before the disciples' feet, washing their feet. Have you ever thought about what you would do the day before you were going to die if you died? I found this tweet, actually. Let's put this, let's put this tweet up, Eli. Sometimes I joke about what I'd do if I had one day left to live. I'd eat, jump, go crazy, etc. Today it hit me. Jesus knew, and he washed feet. Oh, doesn't that just make you, like, so convicted? Like, oh, shoot, you know? Uh, and we're talking about, we're talking about, this. I, I know I probably wouldn't be washing feet the day before if I knew that I was going to die the next day. Jesus knew that he was going to die the very next day. And he does the most incredible act that day. He goes to the cross willingly, and he dies for the sin and the shame of all humanity. But the night before, in a small room, with his disciples, disciples breaking bread, he does a very beautiful thing. He washes the feet of his disciples. And uh, Jesus even, not only was he washing their feet, but there was a betrayer in their midst, right? Jesus washed the feet of the betrayer that was in his midst. He humbled himself to do so. And we have to understand culturally in this context that to wash feet, that to be someone who says you're a king, which I'm going to tell you even more about culturally, to say you're a king and then get down so low to wash someone's feet is unheard of in this culture. And in fact, when you entered into a guest home, the host would open the door and you would walk in and back then you would be greeted with a kiss. Maybe we should bring that back, you know, um, unless you're sick, you know, like wear a mask or something. Um, but we, we walk in and they would be greeted with a kiss. But no one on earth back then would say as a host, hey, come sit down on my couch and let me wash your feet. Can you imagine, even if that happened today, if you came to my house, we ask people to take their shoes off at our house, but we don't wash their feet too far, crossing the line, okay? And so, it, can you imagine doing this, coming in? And not only that, but a host would not wash feet. The servant in the home would wash the feet. Because here's the deal. Back then, the roads were all sand and dirt, and there were no cars driving on the roads. There were horses and donkeys and animals, and horses and donkeys and animals poop in the street, and then that gets all mixed up in the dirt and the dust, and then you're walking along, and so it was necessary to wash some feet, right? 
And so these disciples, I mean, in, in, in this situation, they come in and Jesus has gotten up from the table and he gets a bin, he fills it with water and he kneels down and washes feet. And I mean, all of them are like, what are you doing? What is going on? And today I want to talk about what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. I don't think that it is what we think it is. Being great in the kingdom of God may not be what we anticipated, may not be what we thought it was going to be. It may not be just memorizing scripture and knowing everything about God or making sure that we go to school and learn a ton about theology. I think it might be very different than what we think to be great in the kingdom of God. You know, at our house, sometimes Pastor Preachman and I, we're laying on the couch, the kids are in bed, we're watching TV, and all of a sudden, we're just relaxing, all of a sudden, I just smell something very disgusting. And I'm like, what is that awful smell? And uh, I look at my husband, and I say, babe, I think your feet stink really bad. And he's like, well, how do you know it's not your feet? And I'm like, because my feet don't stink that bad. And I'm like, you, he's like, Omri, I took a shower. It's fine. My feet don't stink. And I'm like, yeah, but since your shower, you've had your feet in your sweaty socks and in the shoes and they got all moist in there. And then you took your shoes off and now your feet really, really, anybody have, I mean, you know, like somebody whose feet, their feet just stinks, you know, it just is bad. It's just bad. (laughs) No, you put your hand down. And, and uh, so we're laying there, and I'm just like, I'm trying to ignore it. You know, you just pick your battles in marriage, people. So I'm trying to ignore it, and I'm like, I can't, I can't. I'm like, honey, can you please go wash your feet? And I'm telling you right now, you guys, I am not like a servant in the scripture that Jesus was. I don't wash his feet. I say, I will not touch your feet. They're so gross. Go wash your feet, please. They're just so disgusting. And if I did get so, uh, you know, just it just stinks so bad, and I offered to wash his feet, it would be out of, like, anger and disgust, you know? It wouldn't be out of, like, humility, like Jesus. I would just be like, I can't stand it anymore. Let's go. You know, and uh, so we all have times where we should be posturing our hearts as servants the way that Jesus is in the scripture, but we're really not, which is um, unfortunately, uh, I was convicted as I prepared this message um, to start washing (laughs) pretty Ben's feet. So you ask me about it in a few weeks. We'll see what happens. (laughs) We'll see what happens. But in this scripture, uh, Jesus, a king, Jesus, the savior of the world, just so humbles himself and becomes so lowly to wash his disciples' feet. And it made me ask this question, like the story of my husband and I and watching TV and the, the stinky feet. It made me ask this question, am I following the ways of Jesus by being a servant? Am I doing that? And so I thought of some questions for us, some ways that I think we can ask ourselves, hey, am I, am I being too good for some areas of lowliness that God is asking me to, to be a servant? So here's, some, here's a few questions I've been asking myself this week. Do you, do you always expect people to serve you or do you serve other people? How many of us have fallen into the trap that in order to establish ourselves, we have to put others down so that we can feel great? so that we can be great. Have you found yourself at work being so cutthroat, so competitive, that you just become aggressive and unkind to people around you? Have you found yourself just insecure, maybe even just about like uh, followers on Instagram that other people have versus the amount that you have? 
So you're just thinking instead of considering what it means to be a servant and a humble person. You're just, how do I get more? How do I get more followers? How do I become more attractive on social media? Have you spewed hate toward others? Have you spent a lot of time on, on social media or whatever, just trying to be better, having the better opinion politically, having the better opinion in whatever is being talked about on social media? Do you expect others to clean up after you or do you clean up after other people, wash your husband's feet? Okay, convicted. There are so many moments, I think, that we have an opportunity to follow the example of Jesus and be a servant that we don't take that I think we can in our work, in our families, and in our church. And uh, Jesus calls us to follow his example. If Jesus, a king, can humble himself to wash his disciples' feet, surely we can do that too. I love this quote by Pastor uh, Craig Rochelle. He says this, serving is not what I do. Servant, a servant is who I am. And this is the banner that I kind of want to operate under today. A serving is not what I do, but a servant is who I am. Because I could stand here and encourage all of you, hey, serve more, serve more, serve more. But what I really want you to get by the Spirit of God is to say, I want a posture of being a servant always. And so while we will talk about some practical ways, I want you to understand that serving is not something that we simply do periodically. It needs to become who we are. And I want us to understand even more of the cultural context that's happening here in this scripture because when you're a king, this was during the Roman Empire and Caesar was king. And what was happening in this time is that when you're a king, you were revered as a god. Okay? So Caesar is being revealed, revered as a god. People are worshiping him. There are statues everywhere around that are, that are lifting up Caesar. And like we lift up the name of Jesus, people worshiped Caesar back then. And there's no way during the Roman Empire that Caesar would get so lowly to wash someone's feet. Those of the common people, right? And so we see that that Jesus is doing something incredibly countercultural. He's doing something that's really going to mess with the culture and the things that are happening at this time. And so I want to read this quote to you by Pastor Brian Zahn to give you a little bit more understanding of what it means that Jesus got down and washed his disciples' feet. It says this, The common life of following Jesus back then together was called the way. Not because it was the way to heaven, the afterlife was never the emphasis, but because they had come to believe that in his death and resurrection, Jesus had inaugurated a new way of life. Because the lifestyle of the way was such a radical departure from the way of the Roman Empire, it is no surprise that people viewed the way with great suspicion and often maligned it as a dangerous cult. Literally, a cult is a system of religious devotion directed toward a particular figure. It's worth noting that culture comes from the word cult. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that until I read this. Culture is derived from how and what people worship. Because the Christians belong to a different cult than the Roman Empire, they developed a different culture and became a countercultural movement. A countercultural, a countercultural that the authorities sometimes deemed subversive and periodically sought to violently suppress. 
The original Jesus movement was a countercultural way of public life. It was the kingdom of Christ, and as such, it was a rival to the kingdom of Caesar. This is what made the principalities and powers of Rome so nervous about the way. Isn't that wild? Here Jesus is right before his death, and he is being an example that he wants to spread all throughout. This movement of the way that is Christianity, where we humble ourselves. We are never too good, even as a king, to humble ourselves and be a servant and wash the feet of the disciples. The standards of Jesus are different than the standards of our world. Amen? Amen. In verse 16, it says this. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And yet, King Jesus is on the ground washing feet. And I have to ask us this question. As followers of Jesus, have we taken the posture of servanthood so seriously, so seriously that it's affected the culture that we live in? Or have we fallen into the trap that to be great, we need to serve ourselves. We need to serve ourselves. We need to get the promotion. We need to get up there. We need to become too good for some of the lowly places that we once were. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. So what does it mean to be a service, a servant? How do we do this? How do we be like Jesus and follow Jesus? And I want to talk about three different areas of our life that we can become a servant the way that Jesus did in our family, in our place of work, and in our church, and in our church. He has set an example for us. Uh, So I want to start with family. How do we serve our families? How do we take the posture of servanthood for our families? Well, my sister came to my mind as I thought about my own family. Uh, there are two kinds of people in the world, I believe. They are the people, there are the people who wake up in the morning angry and grumpy, which I was in high school, uh, and the people who wake up with a smile on their face and peace and joy in their hearts, okay? I don't understand those people. I'm like, didn't you just wake up like I did? Aren't you exhausted? You know, I don't know. So I've gotten better over the years. I've had kids, so they wake up early, and so now I'm, I've chosen, chosen to be happier. But in high school, I was this person that was grumpy in the mornings. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Anybody like that? You're like, don't talk to me until I get coffee. Don't talk to me until just, like, listen, let's just move on. So I was over here, and my sister was so sweet. So I would wake up every morning in high school, you guys. You think you like me. You would like my sister better than me. Trust me. She's amazing. And uh, she would, every morning we shared a bathroom, and she would every morning be up before I was, and she would uh, take a shower, get ready. And by the time I got up, uh, I was, it was like I had to hurry to go to church be, or go to school because I woke up late. And she would always have a fresh towel for me, you guys, ready for me to take, here's your towel, you know, she wasn't my servant, she was my sister, she's like, here's a towel for you, and uh, I'll take the towel, and I would shower, and, you know, and then, like, maybe in the afternoon when I'm a little bit more, thanks for the towel, sister, like, I really appreciated that, but no, I didn't even talk to her, I didn't even look at anybody, but every day, you guys, in high school, she was a high schooler, she just knew that I would get up late, and that I needed a towel, And uh, she served me. This isn't a great example of how to be a servant in your home. You know, I think it's the hardest at home sometimes. 
Because these are the people that we live day in and day out with, right? These are the people that get on our nerves. These are the people that drive us crazy. These are those people. And so it can be hard to have a posture of servanthood in my home. As a mom, I cook and clean and do lots of different things, but I don't always do it with the posture that Jesus did when he was washing the the disciples' feet, right? So it just even challenges what I already do to have a posture of servanthood before my family. You know, have you ever been guilty of giving your best to your boss, giving your best to work, and then coming home and giving the leftovers to your kids, to your spouse? You ever do that? I've been guilty about that. I've, I've felt so convicted about that in my life. We're, we're so tired by the time we get home. So the last thing we do is, is sit down and wash the feet of our family, right? Or that we do it with a grateful heart or do it with a servant's heart. I heard a pastor this week talk about raising kids and how to make sure your kids uh, in church or as you're raising them in the ways of Jesus, how do we make sure our kids love Jesus as adults? And he said this, there's two things. One is, hey, you as a parent need to have a genuine, authentic, real relationship with Jesus and they need to see it, okay? They need not just come into church on Sundays, but they need to see you have a real relationship with Jesus. And the second is this. When your kids can begin to serve in church, have them start serving. Have them start serving because this is what happens. Not only does this become the church they go to, it becomes their church right? It becomes the church that they have ownership in, that they belong to. Not only that, but they then become the church, and they begin to fall in love with Jesus. And I loved that, and I thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that for my family and for my children, because I want my kids to grow up expressing and being an example of the ways of Jesus, And uh, there's a family here in our church that I was just thinking of, uh, Joy and Nathan Arona, and their kids, I tell you what, they come and they serve. Er Eli is back there actually uh, doing this. Can we give Eli a round of applause for just uh, being so awesome. He's back there, and Jeremy is here, and they are serving. Listen, this family, Joy and Nathan Arona, would not have had to pick Kalo's church as a church plant to come to, but they did. A couple years ago, they joined our church, and, and, and almost every Sunday morning, they are here with their kids, and their kids serve the church. They are a part of this church, and they have fallen in love with Jesus. And so this is just such a huge example of what happens when we begin to serve the church as a family. I encourage you now to do that. It may be time for you to uh, have some energy to serve your family at the end of the day. Figure out how to pace yourself differently at work. Or take a little extra time getting to know uh, your kids and playing on the floor with them. Even if your floor is dirty, okay, mine are. Get on the floor, play with them, serve them, love them. And uh, maybe you just need to clean your house for your mom and dad. You know, maybe you just need to surprise your wife and cook dinner. Servanthood, having the posture of serving. 
My mom was so awesome about this too. I remember when I was in college, just another example. Uh, I called my mom, I'd broken up with a boyfriend and I was really heartbroken that I had broken his heart because I felt bad hurting him. Um, but I was just really sad and confused and you ever been there? You're just like, ah. you know, you're in your young, your young 20s, you're just figuring it out. And so I called my mom and I was crying and I was like, mom, I just, whatever. We talked on the phone till late in the night and my phone was about to die and my mom said, hey, you know what? Why don't you go to sleep and I'll stay awake and keep praying. I'll stay awake and keep praying for you. Isn't that awesome? You know, I've kept that in my life. I recently had a friend going through a hard time. I said, you just need to go to bed. I'm going to stay awake and pray for you. Servant. We don't just serve. We are a servant. Amen. And what does it mean to serve in your place of work? We live in a culture where we work so hard for the positions and the promotions, and that's not bad. But we work so hard to get there that we now become too good, and it would be too lowly of us to serve in some of the places that we should still be serving and the people who need us to be an example of Jesus, right? And the more power we get, the more puffed up we get. The distance between us being kings and us being a servant begins to widen, right? And so I love this scripture in verse 3. It says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come to God and was returning to God. What did Jesus do with his power? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is what Jesus did with power. What are you doing with your power? What are you doing with your influence? With our power, we are supposed to be servants, church. With our promotions, we are to be servants. With our raises, with our bonuses, with the things that God has blessed us with, we are supposed to posture our hearts as servants. This is countercultural. This will mess with what your friends think about you. But it will change the world. With our viral videos, we are supposed to be servants. With our influence, we are supposed to be servants. Not only that, but Jesus washed the feet of his betrayer. Could you wash the feet of your betrayer? How about the person at work that has thrown you under the bus? The person who got the promotion when you felt like you were supposed to? How about the person who stole your latest idea? How about the person you thought was a friend but was really just using you? Could you wash your betray your, your, the, betray the feet of your betrayer? Could you wash their feet? Jesus saw proud hearts and dirty feet. And while he couldn't change their hearts for them, he could wash their feet. We don't often, we can't often change the hearts of those that are mean to us, those that have stolen our ideas, gotten that promotion, but we can wash their feet. We can be a servant. Maybe you need to be, maybe you need to apologize to someone at work for being passive aggressive. Maybe you need to face your desk back toward the person you're trying to avoid. You know, maybe you need to humble yourself before your team and you need to look at your team as the boss and say, hey, I'm sorry, I've been a jerk lately, you guys. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe to show up at work with coffee and donuts for once instead of eating everyone else's coffee and donuts. <laughs> That'll go a long way. That'll go a long way. I love this quote by Martin Luther. God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. 
God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Let's be servants in our place of work and in our families. And now at our church, what does it mean to be a servant in your community at church, here in our community at Kalos Church, in the communities, in the churches around us? How do we be a servant? I want to tell you this story. Before we moved to the Hilton Garden Inn, we moved to the W Hotel. And before that, we were at what's called the Parlor Comedy Club, okay? The last Sunday at the Parlor Comedy Club, this is a club, people, the night before all kinds of mayhem goes down, okay? And the next day we would get up and worship Jesus. Well, the night before our very last Sunday, we were to have church in the parlor. Uh, the parlor had already begun, like, gutting out the, the actual facility, okay? And it was a mess. It was a mess. The bathrooms were gross. The parlor live was a mess. There's all kinds of liquid on the floor. It was just gross, okay? And you just don't want to think about what goes on the night before into the wee hours of the morning at the parlor comedy club. Well, I'll never forget, we were driving to church, Pastor Pradeepan and I. Rachel Jennings had already showed up at, at church, and uh, she says, hey, you guys, they already started gutting the place. And uh, so we are just kind of like hugely putting out fires and trying to clean things up. And she casually says, I went ahead and cleaned all the bathrooms. They're ready to go. And things will be ready by the time you guys get here. And I stopped and I read that text again. And I thought to myself, I'm sorry. Did you just say you cleaned the bathrooms at the Parlor Comedy Club? I, t I texted that. And she was like, yeah, I just took care of it. I was like, even the boys' bathroom? Because that's disgusting. That's disgusting. And I tell you what, I will never forget that. And that is the kind of person I will always put on my team. Because did Rachel Jennings move to, from Michigan to Washington to plant a church to clean toilets? Yeah, she did. Because cleaning toilets, giving people an experience where they would love Jesus and know the gospel. See, Rachel and I are alike. We're not going to go back to the church that has nasty toilets. But she knew, she knew. It's true, it's true. But she knew, she knew, she knew that, hey, this could be someone's first time walking into church. This could be the first time someone is hearing the gospel. This is what it means to serve. And sometimes we think, that we, we kind of grow out of that. We've had our promotion out of that. We've worked long enough at church. I should be at a different place. I should be at a different level now of leadership. Hey, you know what? I encourage you to follow the example of Jesus. John 13, 35, later in the scripture, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Those clean toilets may have been it made a huge impact on someone's life that morning. I believe that it was. I want to challenge you today to change your posture. You know, I believe in self-care. I was thinking about this. I get my pedicures and my manicures, and I believe in taking care of yourself. I believe in serving your family, your work, and all of that. But listen, we can't be so about ourselves that we forget to serve. And so here's your rhyme for this morning. Are you ready for this? I don't think it made it on the screen. Everybody be ready. Here it is. Self-care should lead to self-share. Self-care, oh, it is up there. Should lead to self-care. Come on. 
the rhymer in the family served me in this sermon this morning and came up with a rhyme for me. But I encourage you, I encourage you to have the posture of a servant. This last story I want to tell you and then I'm going to close, and that is this. When we had our baby girl uh, four months ago, which is four months, uh, I was really nervous because we were leading a church still leading a church in a really vulnerable time. We're about to have a church move and all this. And uh, I had a C-section. It takes forever to recover from surgery. And so I called one of my friends. Her name is Sharon. And I said, Sharon, what, what would you think? It was really hard for me. I didn't want to call her. And I was like, what would you think about coming out to Washington and helping our family adjust to two kids, recovering from surgery, also leading this church? And she said, Amrita, say no more. I'll be there. That woman, you guys, spent four weeks in our house. She cooked for us. She cleaned for us. She took care of my babies in a way. And she let me recover. Oh, my word, you guys. I am waiting for the day that I can pay it forward on that one. I am waiting for the day because that, for our family, changed our lives. We don't just serve. We are servants. And I encourage you, if we would all begin to do this, it will change the culture in which we live. If we follow the ways of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Because we need prayer to do this. To really humble ourselves the way that I'm talking about, we need Jesus' help. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you, Jesus, for setting an example of what it means to truly be a servant. And Lord, we we sit here in church and we want to follow the ways of Jesus. God, would you help us be so full of love and so full of living for something beyond ourselves that in the moments that we really want recognition, that in the moments that we, that we really want something that would really puff ourselves up, God, but that we would humble ourselves, that we would be lowly, that we would be a servant, that part of our identity in Christ would be a servant. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. That as we begin to serve the people in our work, our family, and our church, oh God, that it would change the world. That it would be so impacting to the world, to our city and our communities. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for setting such an incredible example. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I know that maybe some of you uh, don't know Jesus. You're, you're wondering, who is this guy that lowered himself to love and serve so much? And I want to tell you that Jesus loves you today. And I want to give you an, uh, an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus this morning. And so I'm going to pray again. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And on the count of three, when we close our eyes, nobody will be looking. And you can just raise your hand and And I'm just going to pray with you this morning that you would give your heart to Jesus. So let's go ahead and bow our heads one more time. And if you're somebody this morning and you just say, hey, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to him. He loves you this morning. He loves you deeply. So on the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand up so I can see. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. 
Anybody else? Amen, amen. Well, why don't we go ahead and turn our attention to the screens and let's pray this prayer. And for the, the two of you that raised your hands this morning, let this prayer be so meaningful to your heart this morning. And let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Savior and Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for those two that gave their hearts to Jesus this morning?